Welcome to the Heart-Centered Therapist Podcast, the podcast created for you, the therapist who leads with your heart and loves serving your clients. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host. I know that being a heart-centered therapist is immensely rewarding and powerful and intensely challenging and difficult. We're on this journey together. My mission is to help you continue loving your work as a therapist, surviving being a therapist, and feeling more connected as a therapist. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Heart-Centered Therapist podcast. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with you again. Today, I have a wonderful guest. Her name is Andrea Berkeley, and I'm excited to tell you a little about her. In the years before she pursued her master's degree in clinical mental health counseling, Andrea gained professional experience in public accounting and pharmaceutical sales and life experience as a stay-at-home mom of four children, the most challenging job of them all by far. It was her own experience of working with a counselor, first through the trial of postpartum depression and then through the day-to-day challenges of modern womanhood that reignited her desire to turn her personal passion for wellness into a full-time career, as well as being a mom. (laughs) Today, Andrea owns a private practice in the suburbs of Chicago, which specializes in serving both women and couples through the transition to parenthood. She is certified in perinatal mental health and has done extensive training in emotionally focused therapy for couples. This year, Andrea has taken her passion for women's wellness out of the therapy room and into the ears of of women everywhere via her podcast, Honest Women, and it's really great. Welcome, Andrea. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you so much, Cindy. It's so good to be here. I've been binging your podcast, as I mentioned, and so it feels a little surreal to be able to be having this conversation with you right now. Oh, that means so much to me. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And I'm really excited because we align in so so many different ways mm-hmm. and you have so much to share. Before yes. we dive into that, I'd love to start with the question I ask all my therapist guests. Mm-hmm. What does being a heart-centered therapist mean to you? So being a heart-centered therapist means to me that we show up as our whole selves in the counseling room. It means that we bring our personality, we bring our personal experience, and of course we bring our professional training, but that's the part that everyone seems pretty comfortable with is just bringing their training. And I think we've got to bring it all in order to be truly heart-centered. I love that. That's great. There's that nuance that we bring when we can allow our personal selves to come into the room and we can mm-hmm. be real with our clients and yep. hold those professional boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a dance, but it's something I think we all have to work on. I love how you've expanded that into your podcast, which we'll talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about later. Yes. Um, More to come for that, listeners. So this is really going to be exciting. Let's start by, again, you getting real. And this Mm -hmm. this is what I love about you, Andrea. Like You share your own personal journey with postpartum and parenthood, Mm -hmm. and that's where this got started. So- Thank you for being here and telling us about this. Yeah. So I grew up kind of a high achieving young lady, and that was how I dealt with difficulties in my life was through achieving at a high level and doing things well and just kind of winning basically. And so when I decided I was going to become a mom, I always knew I would be a mom and I just was waiting for the right time to start my family. So we've been married about five years. And my husband and I said, this is the time we're going to have a baby. And I did pregnancy the way I did the rest of my life. I was getting that gold star all through pregnancy. I was like, I'm growing a baby, really happy. I'm exercising. I'm on the apps, like baby center, getting my update, all the apps. I read the books. I was like, I'm ready to rock it. This is my whole life has been pointing towards this point. And I just had no idea that I had a lot of risk factors for a perinatal mood disorder or what we would call postpartum depression more commonly. And it all started when I went to my 39-week appointment. I told my OB because I'd noticed that like my baby wasn't moving the way that he had been before that week. But I didn't want to be a complainer 
I wanted to be a good patient, you know, I didn't want to be the nervous new mom. I was like, it's probably fine. But I had just had a friend tell me a horror story as people like to do when you're pregnant about someone who lost her baby really late in the pregnancy, like literally the night before she had her C-section. And so she told me just really pay attention as if I wasn't, as if I wasn't every minute of every day noticing what's going on with this baby. But thankfully that gave me the courage to speak up when I noticed that something didn't seem quite right. And my OB said, you know, I'm going out of town. It's a holiday weekend. You're not having a baby. Like I've kind of checked you out, but I'll just, we'll do an ultrasound just so you feel better. I said, all right, great. And we went into the room and I looked at her face as she looked at my baby and her face fell. And she looked at me and said, we're having a baby today. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. That was the, that was the beginning of a very harrowing 48 ish hours where I found out that my body had stopped making amniotic fluid. So he was kind of ziplocked in there, you know, when it was like little, the bags that you suck all the air out of, that was my baby. That was why he wasn't moving. He couldn't move around in there. And they decided to have me induce my labor anyway. I still don't know why. I wish I had had more information. I just, I didn't know. And that led to an overnight of every you know, couple of hours. I had nurses and doctors running in. His heart rate would drop. Um, when we were experiencing something very traumatic. Yeah, so I, much trauma. Yeah. And and again, I, I didn't have the words for any of that. But I just felt very much like it was my responsibility to bring him here safely. And I felt from the very beginning like I was failing. And, and even so, as you uh, tell this, I mean, I can, I can see it like this was years ago and it's still so fresh, yeah, right? This, it this is. Birth trauma and mm-hmm. the fear and the fact, thank God you paid attention and went to right. your doctor. Right, right. I know it just, I, not only do I have to live with what happened, I have to live with what could have happened. Yeah. What if I had really, what if I hadn't spoken up? What if I had wanted to be um, the good patient instead of being the good mother, right? That dichotomy was happening right in my mind. And even as I talk about it, my oldest is 13 now. I do. Yeah. I feel like it comes to my eyes. It starts to catch in my throat. Yeah. It was it was terrifying. So after a whole night of that, including one time where my baby's heart rate was dropping and I was I had an epidural, I was half sedated, but I noticed, I could hear it on the monitor. And then I woke my husband up and said, he's, you know, he's not, his heart rate's dropping and he had to run out and get medical attention. And you kind of just think if you're in a hospital, like someone's watching you 24 seven, you know, every minute they're not, they have other patients, you know? And I just, I kept coming back to like, what if I hadn't, what if I hadn't said something in that moment? So they ended up rushing us down for a C-section by the time they decided to do it. It was one of those hospital scenes everybody running down the hallway. We've got to go right now. I would have done it hours ago. I would have done it the day before, you know, but, and you know, my husband wasn't there and then he was there and then it was very, very fast. And it was, I would say it was violent. That's Mm. how it felt to me. Mm. It was physical and it was sensory. And my baby was born blue as can be avatar blue and silent. Oh gosh. Yeah. And, um, it is, it, it does like it comes, it all comes back, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and I worried that he had been harmed and that he had been essentially damaged and that it was my fault. You assumed all of that responsibility. Mm-hmm. That I did. Like you were failing him and it was yeah. your fault. And yeah. 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 And, and I was holding all of the grief of like, I had envisioned this moment in my life, it's like you envision getting married, you envision winning, having a baby. Yes. So winning, it was going to be this beautiful birth moment, you know, and, and my body was built to do this and I was going to become a mom in that moment. And it just, it felt like that was all taken away from me. That was taken away from you too. Mm -hmm. It was like tremendous grief, but I didn't have the words to say that. So as happens to moms, he, my baby recovered. I was very lucky. 
we didn't even do NICU time. It was amazing. His APGARs came up and then they hand you a baby and they're like, all's well that ends well. You know, hey, you healthy, healthy baby, healthy mom, everyone's fine. Meanwhile, I had gone through this like horrifically, again, violent surgery. I had a baby that I was afraid that I'd almost killed. Right. And helplessness and birth trauma. Totally. And, And grief and shock. And then I had to learn to do all the things that new moms have to do. I had to learn to nurse the baby. He was crying a lot. And I just got lucky to have my, I'm a highly sensitive person. My firstborn is a highly sensitive person. And I think that starts early. I was a colicky baby. And so was my firstborn. So, you know, after the initial trauma, everyone comes in. He was so beautiful. He was so handsome. So everyone's a beautiful baby. You know, everything's great. Everything's fine. By the time we left the hospital, he had started crying and he did not stop crying. And I just, again, I thought, wow, like I, I broke, I broke my baby. Like, what did I do? What did I do? Yeah. What did I do? And then I started to have more thoughts. And this is when looking back now and being a professional who specializes in this, I realized that these thoughts were there, they're intrusive, you know, but the thoughts that I started to have were things like, he doesn't like me. Mm. I failed. Maybe I could give him back. Maybe I'm not supposed to be a mom. Oh, that's the worst. Mm-hmm. I have a, a brief, I had a brief moment that I share and I'll share it sometimes and I'll laugh. But it's one of those not funny stories where we in living in Houston, we lived across from a fire station and I'm just there with this baby who's crying and crying and crying. He doesn't like me. I've broken him. I never should have been a mom. My life is over. That's what it felt like. And, you know, my husband's at work. He's doing the same thing he gets to do every day. His life didn't change at all, right? That's what it felt like in that moment. He's out doing his life. My life is over. I never should have done this. And I was like, it just came to me like, you know, fire stations take babies. I could just, I would just walk across the street and I would just hand him over. It played out in this, this vision in my mind. And in such a funny way that like, like my husband would walk in the door and be like, Hey, what's up? And I'd be like, you know, we're just going to try that again in a few years. It didn't work. You know, as if this would be normal and just roll out, you know, obviously I didn't do it. Yeah. But Andrea, the the thing is that you thought it, you actually thought it, you thought it through. And when you're in that place of of grief and postpartum depression and Mm -hmm. and postpartum everything else, right? Like that's so normal. Mm -hmm. And your courage to share that with the listeners Mm -hmm. means so much. Like, thank you so much for sharing that, right? Because that is, maybe it's a little funny now, but it was real. And somebody else out there is having that same real thought and thinking, what is wrong with me? Right, right. And it's those layers and layers and layers. So you think the thought and then you think, wow, I'm a monster. Like I'm a bad mom. And that was the theme of like intrusive thoughts that I would have. I would have thoughts that I was scared I was going to hurt the baby. I was scared to walk through door frame. Like what if I hit his head? Um, But that was really the intrusive thought was that self-focused. I failed. I'm bad. I'm wrong. My life is over. I never should have done this. Um, those kind of thoughts. And, and yet they are things that I talk about and openly and also there it's brutal. Yeah, I definitely learned in the years since then that the ability to talk about something does not mean that you've actually worked it out. And it took a lot of therapy for me to be able to actually talk about this and not concurrently feel some shame. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that, and we don't want to make this a whole therapy session, yeah. but the fact yeah. is those memories are still there for you and they're they still are. there for our clients. And they're still there for our families and loved ones. Mm-hmm. And there is this place of recovery that you can come to mm-hmm. where you don't feel the shame so much. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. you also have paired with it something so much deeper and more meaningful. Mm-hmm. You're a wonderful mom now. Thank you. 
with more babies, more kids. So many. <laughs> yeah. We had to reschedule because there there was some child thing before. So many babies. And yeah. you share this with others in, in your niche that you've identified. You know, of course, you're a perinatal mental health specialist. Of yeah. course, your husband gets to go to work and you're like right. getting resentful and stuff. You became a couples therapist, right? right? So like that, this is the part where you made something more meaningful from the trauma, right? That's yeah. the the, the post-traumatic growth maybe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, you know, at that point in my life, I hadn't yet become a therapist and I actually did. This is, that was the beginning of my stint. I call it like my term as a stay-at-home mom. I, again, I did not do well as a stay-at-home mom. It wasn't a good fit. And I was, part of that was because I was still struggling with all of these feelings. So when I was deep in the thick of depression, I was so lucky. My stepmom came in with my dad for a visit. She took one look at me and was like, no. And then she took me to the doctor and I got Zoloft and it was great. But Amazing. by great, I mean, my my biology was fixed. Boom. But all of those thoughts and feelings that I had about myself and about motherhood, they stuck. So I cannot believe it, but I went through three pregnancies and three postpartum experiences, all of them different, but none of them easy, that just amplified the sense that I really wasn't made for this, yet I kept doing it before I talked to somebody, another mom who was brave enough to tell me that she'd been to therapy and maybe I'd like to go and recommended someone to me who specialized in it. And I I still remember going into her office and I nearly walked out of the waiting room. I and I minored in psychology. I'd always right. planned to go back and and have this be part of my life. So but I, I was scared. Yeah. And you're a pretty gutsy person. Right. I am a yes, I am a pretty gutsy person. Cindy, yes, thank you. you. You're I, welcome. Um, yeah, I I was scared. But when I went in and when I started working with her was when I started healing. Mm-hmm. And that was when I knew there are so many other women who never get help or who never get healed. Like you can get help. I, I just, I can't believe how many doctors wrote a prescription for my mental health after having a baby and did not recommend therapy. It's oh. that's stunning to me. Mm-hmm. And it still happens all the time. Right. All the time. It's, and, it, and women <laughs> still don't hear these stories like you're saying, right? Right. Right. And and so this is part of countering that stigma and mm-hmm. increasing the awareness that's so ne- so needed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All those women walking through the doorway, like you said, afraid they're gonna hit the baby's head. Right. Who says right. that out loud? Thank right. you for sharing that, Andrea. Yeah. Like that's huge. If that yeah. helps one person realize she could get some help because she has this intrusive thought, thank you. That's amazing. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, there's just so much about this period of time that could be better if we had more information. And that's part of what I hope my next chapter of my professional journey is, is being able to become more of an advocate, to spread awareness, to put this information on social media, to speak about it. Because in my little corner of the world, I think everyone knows this because I talk about it and I'm around other therapists who talk about it. But then I realized that like, actually nobody talks about this. And it's still a a thing where most of the women that I work with now, this was the turning point either for them or for their relationship where they just have never really felt the same. And it it didn't have to be three months ago. They had a baby. It could be three years ago or 10 years ago when they started to doubt themselves or feel shame or resent their partner. And things haven't changed that much where everyone is still using the apps and people are still Mm -hmm. like having these expectations, like I'm going to win at this and, you know, I'm built for this and I'm made for this Mm -hmm. and things will happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Even I like to tell people, even when everything is going right, it's still so difficult. Like, I don't know why we don't, why we all have this vision. And I, I know why we have the vision. We have the vision of the beautiful baby sleeping in the bassinet with the sunbeam coming in through the window because we are hyped up on progesterone and estrogen that are making us just feel so 
peaceful. They're feeding the serotonin. They're feeding the dopamine. We are peaceful. We are happy. This is what keeps humans having babies, right? We're built to procreate. So our body makes that really nice. And we have a vision and it is not anchored in reality. And we have no idea what's coming. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You have no idea. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, I think that Andrea, I'm sure like the listeners already love you and your energy and hearing your story and we still have more to go. So, um, yeah, we we could stay on this, but I also want to get to, you went to grad school and you got your master's degree and you became Mm -hmm. a therapist specializing in perinatal mental health. Yep. That is true. And this is one of the things that I really, really wanted your listeners to know and something that I think is so important. So when we talked about being a heart-centered therapist, I mentioned that I think you need to bring your whole self and your experience to this role. And I remember going to grad school and, you know, it's the very beginning. And, And mind you, I went to grad school a lot later than a lot of the other people in my in my class. So I was 35, 36 when I went. I felt like I had had some, I'd gone through some shit. Okay. So I went through some before all my growing up years. That's why I was first, you know, interested in psychology. I had been in the school of hard knocks for a long time. Right. Exactly. I get it. I think I was maybe 37. So yes, (laughs) yes. And I was so glad for it because I knew why I was there and I knew who I was there to serve. But when I'm sitting there with, you know, very young clinicians who are saying, um, and I went to a school that was a Christian school. So very like mission-minded people Mm -hmm. saying things like I'm here to serve refugees and I'm here to serve orphan children. And I'm here to serve, and, and you know, beautiful populations of people. And I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, um, I'm here to serve suburban moms who it's like life is hard. <laughs> I felt like my calling was less than the other oh. callings. You know, I felt like it didn't count. And then I was sitting there going, no, this is the whole reason that you're going to do this. Because it does count because suburban moms also matter, you know? Oh my goodness. You own it now. You own it now. And that's what counts. Yes, I do. I just, but I do remember sitting there feeling that cringe factor as Mm -hmm. if the population that I was called to serve didn't count as much, you know? And I truly believe that I am here to serve those women and couples that are going through this transition because of my life experience that everything that I went through up to this point can and should be used to help other people. And that I'm not doing anyone any favors if I just kind of come in as a blank slate generalist and say, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just a therapist and I can help anybody. And and there's, you know, I've got no history and I've never existed before this moment, you know? Right. And, and really your message then to like, let's say a grad student would be mm-hmm. own your experience yep. and don't let that comparison trap get to you when mm-hmm. you're looking at like who you feel like you really are meant to serve or want to serve, or, you know, whatever language we're using, Yep. right? There is a real reason. And to get honest with that reason, you got so brutally honest with your reason, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, experience as a mom and as a wife. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, that's my reason. And it's a good reason because you're really changing the world. You're changing the world, family, mom and family at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And it does, it changes people. It changes people's lives. I mean, the work that we do changes people's lives generally, but this is the work that I'm best qualified to do because what I've been through counts. And I do know that, you know, in graduate school, we learn that you don't have to have gone through someone's exact experience to be a good therapist. Of of course this is true. I mean, I haven't gone through someone's exact experience, right? But damn, we do have some experience we can bring to the table. And I think it means a lot to the women I sit across from when they know, and it's not like I share a ton of this in our sessions, but they go to my website and says it on my website, you know, and they go to other women and they say, she can help and she's been there. 
And so when I'm sitting across from someone and they know, I know what you're going through. I, I, I've thought those thoughts when they can look at me and go, um, you know, you can get in this moment where it's a little ways into therapy and it's like, well, you know, me and you seem to have some fondness for me. And I've thought those thoughts. So is it possible that you thinking those thoughts Mm -hmm. is okay? Right. Right. Is it, is it possible that you're right? Is it possible that you're actually a really good mom? Mm. It's, there's some interplay there Absolutely. that I think can happen. Yeah. Or even just knowing like she got out, she seems like she's fine. Even if I never say anything about it, they're <laughs> like, well, she didn't look as sad as I feel. So, you <laughs> right. know, there's hope you're giving there's them hope, hope. Yeah. but that relatability is so huge. And mm-hmm. I think really Andrew, like sharing that it's okay to take that risk mm-hmm. with your clients, because that can be where the, the magic of the healing can happen mm-hmm. just from that connection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even as we're talking, I'm already thinking of, oh, there's a couple young moms. I really hope get to hear you talk about mm-hmm. this because they need it like so yeah. much. You just sharing your experience. Um, and I, I wanted to go back because you said it's on your website mm-hmm. and friends, this is what Andrea says on her website because it was so great. I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. She is, she describes herself as a therapist who speaks honestly about the transition to parenthood because that's when the wheels fall off for many of us. Mm-hmm. Mean, can you relate? Mm-hmm. Right. So then you took it even one step further and said, I'm also going to study couples therapy mm-hmm. to help the parents with this transition to parenting that kind of never ends. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I just think my husband and I still, we, we've been married now 18 years. We've been Congratulations. together. Thank you. Been together 23 years. We have four children. I like this man a lot now. Um, it was a while there in the middle. <laughs> I don't think anybody liked each other very much. We struggled. We mm. struggled. And so much of that struggle is an extra layer of struggle. Like if we had known, Hey, you're going to have a baby and like, it's going to get kind of ugly here for a little while. You're not going to know what you're doing. You're going to totally miss each other. She's going to be mad and resentful at you. You're going to not understand her. It's like too much for two people, but that doesn't mean you chose wrong. And that doesn't mean that you're doomed. If we had known that stuff, like everybody else goes through this. It would have taken off that additional layer of suffering that we carried for a long time. And we could have done something about it earlier. And we just, we didn't know. You just think that you're bad at marriage too. Then you're bad at being a mom and you're bad at marriage. And it's like, what is my life? And I think so many people feel that way. And we could do so much better if we just knew that it was common and that you could get through it. And that it could be better in the moment. Well, you have an amazing relationship. You've been together a really long time yeah. for a young couple. That's amazing. That's so mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and even that, I mean, I'm a couples therapist as well. And I think it's helpful to bring in like, nothing's perfect, right? right. You can be a couples therapist and, and still have issues in your relationship. Right. Right. Yeah. I was a ther- couples therapy client before I became a couples therapist. Mm-hmm. In graduate school, I said, I'm not going to touch that shit with a 10-foot pole. My own parents had a nasty divorce. It went on forever. It was like 12 years that they were in the court system. That is, it was awful. I said, marriage, oof. So my thought for marriage was you just choose the right person and then you're happy forever, obviously. <laughs> so I chose the right person. I met him freshman year of college. Uh, in orientation and we dated and we got married and we were still, you know, I wouldn't redo it. I am glad we got married young, but we were babies when we got married and then we were happy for the first five years. It was like, I mean, we had challenges, but it was, you just don't have that much. You don't have way too much to handle. Like you do when you start having kids. Um, and then, you know, when that transition was so hard, you start to go, did I, did I choose wrong? did I break my marriage? You know? So we did go to counseling. Um, and we went to really bad counseling because bad couples counseling, counseling because couples therapy, like perinatal mental health, like any other thing that you want to specialize in, there's extra training for that. You, You shouldn't go, Hey, I'm a therapist and I see one person. So now I can see two. Like 
don't do that to people. You know, you can't get out of a generalist graduate school experience and go become a child therapist. You got to go to training for that. You have to, you know, and if you're practicing outside of where you've got some real training, you're, you're not serving people well. So we sat in front of couples therapists who would just say, well, he said, you know, sorry for this. So you should accept it. Or she said, sorry for that. So you should move on. You and I know that in attachment, this was just garbage. This is terrible. (laughs) We couldn't have become less attached than each time that we went in. And I sat with my feelings and he sat with his feelings and we felt more disconnected, but kind of told to shut it because, you know, we'd said, sorry, it, it was a mess. So we went to couples therapy and we went to an emotionally focused therapist for couples. I only knew about it because of graduate school and he changed our marriage. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it really like it was, it was rough there for a while, but he changed our marriage. So now when I go to work with couples, I tell them I've been to bad couples therapy. Don't do that to yourself. You're welcome to work with me. Like this is how I, I was there as a client first. I know that it works. And then I got trained in it, you know, or you can work with somebody else, but please find someone who's trained. Right. It's so important. Yeah. It's, it's, it's critical. And, you know, I I love that line about, you know, well, he apologized. So that should be enough. Right. And instead that's garbage, right. That could be the next line for me to use in my therapy. Okay. Well, that doesn't work. That's garbage. (laughs) Yeah. Like, how do you feel now better? No, you don't feel better. You You feel completely invalidated and alone. Yeah. I I do want to make a caveat because I think it's also really important, right? Because some people may may have to see a couple, right? Because they work Mm -hmm. in an agency setting or something like that, right? And this is is separate. We're not really talking about where you have to see a kid or a teen or a couple, and that's not your specialty and you haven't been trained. And our hearts go out to you. That's not fair. It's part of our broken system. Mm -hmm. And that's also why both Andrea and I are podcast hosts because we like to try to educate and, you know, bring different guests and training and things like that. So, you know, we would encourage you, like, don't give up. There are ways you can find extra training. But if you're going to see somebody who's in private practice and they say they see couples, but they don't have the training, that's when, you know, it's better to see somebody who's who practices with a couples therapy approach that's going to align with you and your needs. Yes. Right. I so, so agree. I yeah. so agree. That's such a good catch, Cindy. I'm so, I love how sensitive and aware you are of what our listeners might be hearing, because mm-hmm. I feel like I would hate for someone to feel like they were doing wrong by seeing a wide variety of people. We've all started there. We've all done agency right. work. We've all, even in yeah. early private practice, a group practice, you see who walks in the door and right. you can do good and beautiful work. Because we mm-hmm. know that the relationship that you have with your clients is the number one factor for them being better. If you give them your attention, your heart, your connection, they are getting something very valuable from you. And if you're going to put that shingle outside your door that says couples expert, perinatal expert, child therapy expert, you damn well better get some training. Mm-hmm. You know, And that doesn't mean that we sit and read from a manual or we become a different kind of person. It just means that we give our best by staying fresh and and aware and informed and trying on behalf of our couples Mm -hmm. and our, and our clients. So beautiful. And, and most of us really are lifelong learners because we know Mm -hmm. it's only through that learning that we can, you know, relate even Mm -hmm. more deeply and more accurately with our clients and having that practice. And, you know, it's, it, we're new each day and how mm-hmm. we are with our clients um, and our families and our friends. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's the whole, like being a human and being a therapist. Um, I'd love if you could share speaking about training, how mm-hmm. you were, you were telling me, Andrew, you went to like this training um, that you've always wanted to go to by an yes. expert in perinatal mental health. I did. I just got back from training with Karen Kleiman. She is the name in perinatal mental health. She has been leading the charge to spread awareness to make this a thing. She told us the most beautiful story. This will be just a quick one, but 
she got into this work because she had seen some clients starting to talk about um, their experience. And she actually put an ad in the paper that says she was looking for women who wanted to talk about their story for some for research that she was doing, um, their story of becoming a mom. And she said she had people call based on that newspaper ad. And two of the women that she saw were 70 years old. And they wow. came in and they said, this was my experience. And I was so alone. And I've never talked to somebody about this. 70. And this is so, to me, this was so resonant because I was like this, these things when they're not touched, right? When they're not unpacked, they can, we carry them with us for our whole lives. Yeah. So I know me too. So getting to go and see her was amazing. I, you know, I read a couple of her books And I think I was a little nervous, to be honest, Cindy. I was like, people talked about training with her and I wanted to go and I was really excited. I wanted to see her in person. I'd had to wait an extra three years because of COVID. And I know she's getting older and I, you know, you just never know how long someone's going to do this, you know, Mm -hmm. in person, it's a lot. So I, I wanted to see her in person. So as soon as we had the opportunity, I signed up, I flew to Pennsylvania. I spent a couple of days there. I thought in some ways that she was going to be this other kind of person, that she was going to be so maternal and she was going to be just very grandmotherly and sweet. And her book is on the art of holding and perinatal therapy. So I'm just envisioning in a way, I was really envisioning someone who's very different than me. And, you know, that's my own stuff, right? Like I'm going to have to go learn how to be a different kind of person. She was awesome. (laughs) <laughs> she was so spunky. She was so vibrant. We, I mean, we were. Oh, she sweet. was like you. She was just like me. I was like, oh my God, you're my therapy mother. I had a very corrective emotional experience with her. I just, she just was so, she was just so hurt. She was sassy and she was present and she was funny and engaging. And I was like, oh, she's, she's captured in a book, the things that we all do but she's just like us, you know? And it was so, oh, it was so good. And I learned a lot. And also I learned that I already knew a lot Mm. and that was okay. It was good for my soul to be like, actually, you don't have to start over. You kind of already do this, you know? And I met amazing people who also do this work and getting to feel that collective just drive and purpose was so good for me and getting to learn and just reset every time I go to training, especially in person, I'm an in-person person because I don't know, right. I have trouble paying attention sometimes, but even online, every time that I stop and I train, I feel revitalized. I have something new to bring with me to my work and it's really good. Yeah. So. There's that spark. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, those trainings, it just sounds like you had this, this new um, boost of community mm-hmm. from meeting new people. And that's yep. so important for us. You know, we still are mostly practicing in isolation in mm-hmm. a room with, you know, with our clients and we need to network with people who are doing something so similar. Mm-hmm. We can feel connected. Yeah. It's so yeah. important. It's mm-hmm. so important. Also, therapists are funny birds. So I know I mentioned this before, but most of us are highly sensitive in some way. A lot of us are introverted and also share too much. Like we're the typical introvert who, you know, we can talk to people really well, but we want to have deep conversation, you know, just right. put a That's bunch a of therapists in a room. Us. It is a weird thing. You're like, hey, we're going to talk about our whole life story or the deepest meaning of life or things that other people, like things that we deal with and work that other people could never imagine. Do you know that I'm dreading to go to this like cocktail thing I have to go to tomorrow? Oh, (laughs) cocktails, the worst, unless it's cocktail (laughs) with therapists, in which case like everyone's standing there like, oh, I don't really want to be here, but like we're going to be best friends after an hour, you know, cocktails hard. You'll do great. Obviously, (laughs) but it doesn't mean we enjoy it. That's why you got to find some therapists to hang out with. Yes. And, you know, again, that's, 
that's how we met. We met yeah. in a, a Facebook group that was a common, I think it was a combination of, of a lot of people. It wasn't just therapists, but yeah. we connected because we were therapists. Mm -hmm. So that was amazing. And then we realized we both have podcasts and yeah. um, similar interests in couples therapy. Um, but Andrea, one thing you said about th this mentor that you looked up to so much, and then mm -hmm. she was like you and she was sassy and energetic yeah. and, and like so real that just, just took me right back to what we were talking about at the beginning of bringing your whole self, yeah. your real self into your work yeah. in some way. So she brought it into her work when she was training. Right. Like, so you, you have to find the way that your authentic self can show up. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And when you do, there's so much more life in the work. Mm -hmm. There's so much more connection. It's so much more valuable and it's more fun. Yeah. And we all need that. I we can't. That. Yeah. Yeah. Especially now. Yes. Mm -hmm. So let me tell everyone. The name of your podcast is Honest Women Podcast, mm -hmm. and you have a co-host, and you'll yes. tell me about Jessica too. Yes. And this is what they say about their podcast. It is the podcast equivalent of drinks with your best mom friends who just happen to be therapists. Yes. Yes. That is the idea. We, Jessica and I actually met, funny enough, at EFT training, so you know, it all comes full circle. You've got to go and put yourself out there and do these things. And we met, we just clicked. And then we, because we were doing the core skills, we spent a whole year meeting every, you know, three, three months for a weekend mm -hmm. and got to know each other. And we both have big dreams and visions and wanted to create something. And we finally went out to dinner with our husbands together because we're local and this was early 2020. It was the first time we'd all sat down and we said something like, what if we started a podcast? Well, then the pandemic happened. Oh, we did oh. not start a podcast. We, at first we thought we could, and then we were like, no, nah, it's really hard to survive right now. <laughs> so hard to survive. And therapists were busier as frontline so responders than anybody else. Right. Mm. It was a brutal time. There was a brief moment though, where everyone seemed to be leveling up. It was like, you know, Joe over here is making sourdough and this person's getting their, you know, six pack abs and I should start a podcast. And thank God we did not try because it would not have worked. It's a lot of work, you yeah. know, to do this. But we finally, we talked about it on and, on and off for a couple of years. And then we finally started in January had no idea um, exactly how it was going to shape up, but we really tried to think about the conversations that we have. And because I work with a lot of women in our life stage, I'm like, Jess, these are the conversations I'm having every day in my office. Mm. And these are the conversations that if I'm real with my friends, we actually have. So we just came to the idea that not only are we talking about this stuff every day in our offices, but we're also, there's just... I don't know if you feel this way, but I think that there's a very pervasive subclinical level of suffering mm -hmm. that's just in our culture. Yeah. And especially since, especially since COVID, but yeah, I think it's absolutely. been this way for a long time. I think, mm -hmm. I think adulting is hard. I think women bear the brunt and I think we walk around super just, I don't know, not great a lot mm -hmm. of the time. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it, the the podcast became an opportunity to say like, what are we talking about all the time in our offices? And what would we be talking about with our friends if we were having real conversation or what kind of conversation would we have together? Let's put it in, let's make it accessible. Let's take wow. it out of the therapy room. Let's have it together. What and kind of topics do you guys, do you guys cover? So we, you know, just this morning we were recording and we were talking about boundaries around the holidays. When you are visiting family, we talked about holiday season burnout because we're both in it. Um, we talk about things like marriage and we had a great episode called redefining happily ever after, which was really poking some holes in this myth that we all seem to have that like you just meet meet the right one and ride into the sunset and right. everyone's just happy without um, work without work 
Totally. We did an episode on gentle parenting, which made me laugh because I think it was titled, is gentle parenting the new way for us to feel bad about ourselves? So you can get kind of the Mm -hmm. the vibe of the podcast. My position is typically I'm validating, I'm normalizing. I'm like, yes, me too. And Jessica is more of a, she's like, I'm challenging, I'm investigating. And so when we work together, we can get to some really interesting places. And so fun to have a Mm co-host like that. Yes. Yes. And we do this in 30 minutes. So that's kind of our pledge, or -hmm. at least the pledge we made to ourselves. We really tried to think about our ideal listener. She's probably someone in her thirties or forties. She's probably got a couple of kids. I know when I open my app and there's a super long episode, I, I'm like, Oh, am I going to get to it? Am I going to be able to finish it? So we just, it's just enough. Right. And we we pack it full of, um, you know, good content, also cuss words, you know, yeah, a lot of, right. a lot of laughs and, and, and serious yeah. things too. I mean, yes. you, you've talked about deeply, deeply personal charged and, yes. and painful subjects and yes. the listeners can go and, and look at all of those. And so you guys, you don't really leave anything on the table. Like it's all out we there for conversation. Not. Yes. Yeah. And that is a dance. That is a that is a yeah. dance that we have to do. So I'm pretty lucky in that I am the exact same person everywhere I go. So mm-hmm. this doesn't stress me out too much. At times I'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. Or did I talk about something that was too personal? And then I'm like, no, you're pretty much like this everywhere. Anyone even who works with you kind of gets the vibe of who you are, even if I don't share my personal stories. It's always a little funny when my own clients are listening. Yeah. But they they like it, so I'm like, well, it's fine. Um, what a compliment! What a compliment! Yes, yeah. it's yeah. funny. That I uh, I have a few clients who will say, I'm not your. I know I'm not your target. I know your par- podcast is not for me, but I like taking you with me, and I like having that extra conversation with you mm-hmm. during the week, which means so much. Um, but I, it, it it's the kind of disclosure that we would have. It's not the kind of disclosure we'd have in our therapy room, but it's related in that we'll talk about things that are deeply personal, but we only show as much as we want to show mm-hmm. or as would be appropriate to show or honoring to show. So, you know, I talked about, oh, we were recording an episode on communication styles and it just so happened that my husband and I were in the middle of a big argument. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> we have we have one topic. I mean, everyone has some topics that they talk about, but even after EFT counseling, we have one topic that we talk about that it does not always go well. It actually always doesn't go well. And there's this is just unresolvable. There's argument. just, there's just yeah. the one. Everybody has one. And I, and again, I, you know, I can acknowledge that that's true, but I don't say what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say what it is. Yeah. And that episode uh, was a lot of me reflecting on my communication style mm, in the midst of not being my best self versus, you know, I, I just want to be honoring to my husband. Even if I acknowledge that we have arguments, it's having a podcast isn't a place to, to ding him. It's right. a place to explore my own stuff, my own self, well, if that makes that's, sense. That's such a mark of a successful relationship is when you can mm-hmm. be honoring to your partner. And so I just I really love hearing you say that. And thanks. You know, this this description about how you kind of balance like when you're like sort of raw and edgy. I was going to ask you this big fancy mm-hmm. question about that, but you just yeah. beautifully described it. Like you can you can just balance being raw and edgy in yourself in the podcast world and then mm-hmm. also hold the therapeutic boundaries or hold the yeah. personal boundaries. Yeah. And I think it really comes from self-awareness. It really comes from that place of, I'm aware I have this private relationship with my husband. Right. So there's a boundary there. Right. But how can I generalize that so that it will have an impact and help somebody else understand how they can communicate? Yeah. Yep. And obviously to to a lesser extent, because we disclose less in our therapy rooms, this is the kind of thing that like just showing up as you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, if you're bringing your whole authentic self, you don't have to give someone a rundown of your last day. You don't have to share your stories. That's not about you, but they get a sense of like, oh, she gets it. 
Yeah. Just from right. being able to show up in that way. Yeah. I, I really feel like the intimacy we create with um, our listeners and providing these podcasts can go so far mm-hmm. for like becoming allies for mental health and reducing yeah. stigma and normalizing um, certainly doesn't go far enough, but I'm wondering, do you and Jessica feel like your podcast is having an impact on, um, you know, reducing the stigma around mental health or around yeah. going to therapy? Totally. And it's allowing people who won't go to therapy to have some therapeutic benefit because that sense of universality or validation or normalization, or even just connection that we offer in our therapy room, a lot of people will never come to therapy for. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, making a podcast, it's a lot of work, you know, it's, it is a labor of love. It's something that we are really proud of. And there's times where we're like, oh my gosh, it's so much work. Like, like, are we making a difference? Is this making an impact? And we've been so lucky that every time that we say that, one of us will get a text message, we'll get an email, we'll get a comment on Instagram where someone says, I just listened to such and such episode. And, you know, it it totally made me see things in a new way, or I cried because I've been through the same thing, or you know, I was taking notes. I mean, what an honor. Yeah. What an honor to be able to reach people. And as a mental health advocate and someone who wants to reduce stigma, that's exactly what I want. Yeah. To do. So beautiful. That's that's amazing. And so nice to get that feedback. And yeah, you know, to really be able to receive it and take it in. And mm-hmm. you know, it is it is hard work. I mean, mm-hmm. just just so people know, it's not like we just hopped on here. You know, we were emailing and and trying to do an outline even late last night and this morning, like making sure we had stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it takes a lot. Um, But it is a labor of love. And I want to point out two things that you said that I think is really important for therapists out there, because sometimes we think our work is only in the office. So Mm -hmm. when you're doing like so many people have beautiful social media accounts where they're putting educational, psychoeducational content on Instagram or TikTok or something like that. You are making such a difference mm-hmm. by educating the public. And that is, you know, being a mental health advocate and and helping to make therapy accessible or mm-hmm. education accessible. And so good for you for doing that. Like, don't give up on that. That's so important. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you may think, well, I'm not getting any marketing from it, but you're really still making a difference. Yeah. You know, and I think that is really, really great. The other thing I'd love when you were talking about your podcast, Andrea, was really understanding your ideal client. And this is so Mm -hmm. helpful for therapists too. And Mm -hmm. we talked about this with like you bringing yourself and saying, I want to help women, um, perinatal mental health and couples and that experience transition to, to parenting mm-hmm. and the same thing. My, you're saying my listeners, they want something short, 30 minutes that they can do while they're like going to, you know, the carpool and yep. pick up and stuff like that. Right. And, and so you have to know your client really well. And that's mm-hmm. such a great example. And mm-hmm. I think even though this will be longer than 30 minutes, because it's such a great episode, yep. <laughs> Andrea and her energy that people will still like it. And I hope you do, but yes. we have a different style. So I might be bringing on a guest who's educating more or something like that. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you can't change it, but it's such a wonderful reminder that we're always in flux and you're always really trying to understand who do you work best with? Who Mm -hmm. are you, you know, meant to make a difference with? Yes. Yes. And this was something when we started the podcast and even when I started my website for my, my um, private practice, I know that we are tempted to show up for everyone. I know we want to be like universally accepted or acceptable and say all are welcome here. Look, all may be welcome here and you're going to resonate more with certain people. And so you don't, you, you have to be unafraid of turning some people away so that the people who are meant for you, you can serve well. If someone's looking for a very kind of straightforward CBT therapist who does, they will not like me. I will not be good for them. My website makes that clear. My podcast makes that clear. And yet I I tend to pull in ideal clients through my website or through my 
podcast because they say, your website spoke to me. Mm. Well, I know I'm taught, I am speaking directly to you. I have you in mind. I, you know, you even create a sense of who your ideal client is. How, how old is she? What's her, you know, where does she live? What does she say? What's on her mind? The best episodes that we have for the podcast and the best work I do as a, as a mm-hmm. therapist in marketing is when I say, what's on her mind? Mm. Yeah. What is she going through right now? What is she struggling with? What would she tell her friend if she had the opportunity to be really brave and say it? Well, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Let's write about that or let's speak to that. And we yeah. can do that anywhere we show up and, and we should, you know? So powerful. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Beautiful. What's what's on their mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So Andrea, we could talk for another hour about yes. being couples therapists yes. and working with emotion focused therapy, but I'll bring you back for that. I um, love it. Yes. So I know you have so much to share and for our listeners to connect with you. Um, Mm -hmm. So tell us about your website and you're going to offer a freebie for my listeners too. So yes. Yep. I am. So I, you can find me on the internet and I'm sure Cindy will put this in the show notes, but at andreaberkeley.com, Berkeley, no ease. We're the only ones you're going to have to link it in the show notes. Yes, And I would say, yes, just my my own name on Instagram and our podcast Mm -hmm. has a presence on Instagram and has a website too. And yes, I am working on a freebie for your listeners because I would love to help other therapists discover what it is about them that they can bring to the therapy room. So you can look forward to some journal prompts and some other thought starters to get you going down that journey of who are you and who are you meant to serve and what's that person all about um, so that you can do work that you're meant to do and you can work with the person that you're most aligned to serve. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you for, for bringing this Andrea, that alignment is, is what we all want because then it, it feels so much more satisfying. We're so much more fulfilled and we're not, we're less likely to burn out. Yep. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So this, this is really great. Um, so it's, it's Andrea Berkeley.com and honest podcast.com. Go check mm-hmm. out honest women podcast on all of the platforms. Mm-hmm. You'll love it. They've got some great episodes and huge. Thank you to you today for being here. And I can't wait to um, talk some more and collaborate. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Cindy. It's been wonderful. Yes. Pleasure. Don't you just love Andrea? Her energy and her story is so inspirational and so moving. The honesty with which she shared about her own experiences going through postpartum depression and birth trauma and even just transitions to parenthood was just so emotionally raw and powerful. And what I really am curious about you in terms of a takeaway from this episode is that was something that really informed how she wanted to show up in her work and the ideal clients that she really wanted to serve. And it helped her find her meaning and her niche. And so I'm really curious for you, send me a DM on a DM on Instagram at Heart Centered Therapist or go into Facebook and join my community, the Heart Centered Therapist community on Facebook and let me know how has your experience, your real life experience impacted who you serve as a therapist? I'm so curious about that. And I think it's really important because it helps us know that we matter. There is some way that we are going to really help somebody else who has had experiences that maybe ours will resonate and we'll find a way to use that in our niche, in our work, in our service, in our helping work that we do. So I'm just really curious. Send me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. How does your realness show up? What is your ideal client or your niche? And then Check out for sure Andrea's podcast, Honest Women Podcast. It's really great. I hope that you'll join me again next week, next Thursday. I look forward to 
bringing you another episode from the Heart Centered Therapist podcast. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps other people find this podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and resources mentioned. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.